This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Kate Lambrook, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you, Cheryl. Yeah. I'm being here and I, I can't really believe I'm here to talk about a book that I have written. Like oh, my that. God. What a journey, right? So this is your first book. Kate is beloved. She is an Australian media personality whose career has included hosting top-rating radio shows, television presenting, acting and journalism. She currently hosts KISS FM's 3pm pickup and is a regular presenter on the project. Kate, her husband Peter and their four children recently spent two years living in Bologna in Italy, staying there through COVID lockdowns in 2020. Uh, This is her first book. It's a memoir about this experience and it's called Ciao Bella, Six Take Italy. Wow, what an experience and what timing. Mm, mm, I know. It's funny, isn't it? Because of course, we'd been planning it for a little while before we went in um, 2019. That was our first year. We were originally only going for one year. Yeah. And we thought between language, learning language and finding schools and trying to get an apartment, trying to get a house and trying to get someone to park a car and blah, blah, blah. We thought that was the harder year, Cheryl. What <laughs> was hard, it was brilliant. Yeah. So when you decided to go, COVID wasn't on the horizon, obviously. No. Can we remember that time? Oh, no. Can you believe it? Mm -hmm. I mean, when I look back, I'd just gotten back to Sydney from San Francisco and then it was a couple of weeks after that Um, mm, mm, because I travel there frequently. But I remember reading an article in the New York Times that said the first case of COVID to the U.S., was actually in San Francisco, and it would have been at the time that I was there. But who knew that? Yeah. Yeah. So here you are going on a, I mean, how old roughly were your children? Because I feel as though that's a big decision to make for kids. Well, it was a big decision. Uh, So when we went, Yanni was nine, Adi was 11, Sunday was 14, and Lewis was 15. So that's dragging teenagers, like convincing teenagers. Correct. But we had been talking about it for quite a while and also my my husband and I have an ethos in our family that the tail doesn't wag the dog. So we make the decisions for the family. But there was a lot of resistance from people when we told them. They're like, what are you doing? How can you do that to the kids? And I think because I'd moved around a lot when I was little, I consider that to be quite beneficial. Yeah. So even though it's not easy when you're a child, I think in the long term, I think the benefits that you get from that, where you actually work out what your the perimeter of yourself is as a person, independent of the people that you've known your whole life. So, so the practicalities of something like this is also schooling, right? Yes. 
and you're going to a country where the children, I presume, didn't speak Italian. Well, I know that they didn't speak Italian. None of us spoke Italian. None of us have got Italian relatives, although we've got a lot of Italian friends and had never really put the pieces together before on all these people in our lives that we had loved were Italian Australians. And the first time that we went to Italy, like so many people, we we just fell in love with Italy. And my husband and I, I think, had a conversation on one of our two-week holiday there saying, oh, I totally understand why people decide to spend a year in Italy. Even when we had that conversation, it seemed, yeah, other people, other people, mm. not us. And so why Italy? Oh, look, Italy's an extraordinary country and we were very drawn to even in our glimpses of it on holidays the lifestyle the people the food the culture the pace of life that just was very beautiful they're very welcoming I mean they think we're crazy (laughs) but we think they're crazy that's perfect isn't it in a relationship I remember, I mean, I've been there quite a few times, but only for short stays. And I remember um, being um, somewhere, it was a tourist place. Anyway, I can't remember exactly where. And the woman said to me that was taking the tickets at the door, she said, are you Australian? I said, yes, yes. So you've come all the way from Australia? And I said, yes. And she said, how long was it on the flight? And I said, I think it's 24 hours or, you know, trying to remember how long. And she said, gosh, you must really have wanted to come. Yeah. (laughs) They can't, they don't. Don't get it. No. And also the other thing is that the Italians generally love Australia. Mm-hmm. They're quite intrigued by Australia. Whatever tourism campaign was happening like 20 years ago was highly effective. Was that hoax? I don't know. But whatever it was, they all like your country's so beautiful, your country's so amazing. Basically, they were like, WTF are you doing here? Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how do you pull four kids out of school? to take them to Italy? Well, my husband did a lot of that. I mean, we had meetings with them, with schools, and when we decided that we were going to do it, two of our children were at high school and two were still at primary school. And so we went and spoke to the schools and we've got beautiful relationships with the schools and they were all for it. The the principal at the school, at the high school where my um, son, eldest son and daughter go to, has spent a lot of time in the Aeolian Islands. He loves it. And his assistant, Tanya, is Italian. And so they were just like, this is the greatest. So they were so helpful. We ha- There was a lot to do. They had to sit tests. And when we decided on Bologna and the international national school there thinking it was too cruel to make the kids go to an Italian school. Mm. We you had, went soft for a minute. <laughs> we did go soft. That was as soft, <laughs> really, that was as soft as we went. And then I allowed once we were more soft drinks with dinner than I normally would. <laughs> so probably, you know, twice a week kids were allowed to have a soft drink. Okay. So what month was it that you left? Because I'm, I'm trying to walk January. Jan- okay. Yeah, in January. January 20. 29. Oh, 2019, not 2020. Right, okay. So tell me what that was like. Well, it it was a mixture of things. We felt quite triumphant that we had done it. We had arrived and we had overcome a lot of obstacles to sort of get there, you know, family pressure. I say in the book, um, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the book yet. I have, yeah. Yeah. 
self-interest is a great motivator and there's a lot of people who when you say you're going to do a change like this are very resistant to it because of the way it's going to impact their lives. It's like when you're in, you know, friends of yours break up. You're always like you're devastated for them, but you're also devastated for you because you have to reassemble your life without them or you have, you know, attended. Let me tell you this story, Kate. I go to San Francisco, as I said, I've got very good friends there. And prior Mm -hmm. to COVID, I'd go once or twice a year and sometimes I take a sabbatical. I go for three months, right? Mm. My sister says to me all the time, and you'll appreciate it, she says to me while I'm over there, oh, not long now before you come home. Not long now. Not long now. No, I don't want it to go fast. (laughs) This isn't about you. Yes, don't (laughs) be away. So that was a very, there were a whole lot of, reactions that we weren't anticipating, resistance to us doing this. A very Mm. common one was how can you do that to the children? Mm. Mm. And that was my father. My father particularly was pulling everything out of his arsenal that he could. Mm. You know, what about your career, Catherine? This is not good. You will not have work. You know, Mm. what about children? They're schooling. I'm worried about them, blah, 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 blah. And then I had to say to Dad one day, Dad, you're a migrant you left your country and your parents for 40 years. Mm-hmm. You can't begrudge us one year. Totally got that. I want to know if this happens to you. When I, uh, in San Francisco for a length of time, let's say three months, I'm always excited. And so that would have been yeah, what you yeah. excited. You get there, yeah. it smells different, it looks different. I love it. I love the diversity. I love the food. I love everything's different. You know, that's, I don't know why some people Wait, That's the point. That's the point. Whereas some people travel and they want the same. But anyway, not me. But, and you would have felt this, and I'm only responsible for myself, and you've got your whole family there. Sometimes I would wake up in the morning and think, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? Did you ever think, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? When we, well, kind of the whole time, really, because we had never, we can't even remember when we had the initial idea to do it, but my husband and I kind of had it simultaneously, thank goodness. Mm. And I think that's probably the mark of a good relationship. That probably happens where you, or maybe a bad relationship, <laughs> where you can't where you become one. <laughs> an idea was, yeah. but I did. When we drove into, when we arrived at the airport and we really, we had, the six of us and our cases and, of course, bikes, bicycles, sempre bicycles. Um, as I said, we felt that elation that we had done it. But there was also this what have we done, what have we done, where you realise that you're not, as you said, just making a decision for yourself, but you're also making a decision on behalf of four other people. Mm-hmm. And there were times when, you know, when the boys, the little boys started playing basketball and they didn't speak any Italian at all. And that turned out to be a blessing in retrospect because they had to learn to say to their Italian friends, pass me the ball in Italian or no one would pass them the ball. No one spoke English. But at the time I remember, um, and I've written in the book a a moment when I was looking across at my um, third child out our second eldest son, Artie, and he was sitting on a bench on his own and three of his teammates were on that side and two of his teammates were on the other and they were, you know, chattering away to each other and Artie was just sitting there on his own because he couldn't speak to them. 
And I did have a pang at that. I was sitting across the court from him and I did have a moment, what have I done? But as I write about in the book, something amazing happened on the basketball court, like an incredible life-affirming, decision-affirming moment that banished all my doubts. And that happened constantly, you know, Cheryl, when we were in Italy, whenever we found ourselves in sort of the pickle, and you can imagine there were pickles. Gosh, there were pickles. My husband and I came to refer to it as Italian magic. Italian magic would always present itself and save us as though the whole country was going, hey, you're going to trust me. Yeah, um, yeah. You know. And also um, travel is a roller coaster in itself. I mean, you know, for me, I can't fathom having to travel with six people. I just can't fathom it. But even on your own, it's a roller coaster. Things yes. change, yes. you know, stuff happens, yes. all yes. of that. Um, and when, you know, you're a parent, I'd imagine that responsibility is immense. So how long did you stay there and what were you doing on a daily basis? Because that's another thing that I doubt myself about when I travel. I feel as though sometimes I should be as busy as I am at home working but the whole point Uh, is not to be busy right uh, that is hard to let go isn't it and particularly in Australia where I I think we have this notion of ourselves as being really laid back but we're actually not we work hard you're really hard working people and that's why generally we're popular you know when when Australians make that trek Mm. to the or whatever they they're never short of work but for the first six months that I was in Bologna I was working it was not my intention to work but Husey who's been my um, on-air colleague for 18 years or or had been would not let me go (laughs) and my bosses were fully of that opinion as well so they were like you can do the show from Italy I'm like what now of course it sounds strange because we all work remotely but then Nobody had ever done their national radio show from another country, certainly not Italy. What time would you have to get up for that? Well, it changed slightly when when we went to Daylight Saving here and they went to Daylight Saving there. But I would get up at four, Mm -hmm. get picked up at five, get to the studio at, depending on who my driver was and what day it was, I'd either get to the studio at 5.06 or 5.20. Same route. So I mean, same, the studio didn't change, but in a very unusual Italian manner, some days a driver would take 20 minutes and some days the driver would take six minutes to drop me off. Mm-hmm. And go and figure. It's I Italy. Like driving through the city because it was closed at that time. So they'd take the scenic route for their own pleasure as much as anything else. Mm. But so I'd get there early and although it was I was doing the drive show back to Australia, the time there was obviously the morning. So the first six months I was exhausted and I was exhausted anyway from having made the move and our apartment and all of that. But even in the middle of the exhaustion, Cheryl, my husband and I were like, we'd often go to sleep at night and we'd say to each other, I would say to him, I love Italy. And he'd go, wow. I do. And we would fall asleep. Actually, not fall asleep, pass into unconsciousness. We were so tired. <laughs> but even, even when it was challenging and blah, 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 it was, yeah. it was brilliant. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. 
one of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So then you stopped working. And what were yeah. you doing then? Well, so... I had, so I finished in July and we pivoted straight into, so I had 20 listeners and Husey and Sash, all my friends from the show, Carrie and Tommy, come over to Bologna to see me. Well, not just to see me, they also came to see Italy. It's a bit of a draw card. I don't know if you've heard. But, <laughs> um, and we just had the most magnificent summer yeah. Because it was doubly blessed with not only being Italian summer, which is glorious, but also it was my first taste of freedom. Wake up for anything. I didn't have to prep a show or what. I just, you know, and my in-laws had come over. They looked after the kids. We went to a friend's wedding in Positano. Oh, beautiful. Went I've been there. Sicily with the kids. We went and stayed in a chateau in France. It was so eye-opening to me coming from Australia to have that European Pandora's box opened and all the bees were just busy making sweet honey. It was beautiful. It was amazing. And we went to Amsterdam for the weekend. I met, went, met a girlfriend in Paris. We just had the most incredible time. I went to Italian. I started going to Italian school, which I couldn't do um, earlier because it was in the mornings and I was working in the mornings. We went to basketball tournaments all around Italy. My husband and I would just go for drives. We'd go to magical little trattorias, you know, on overlooking valleys or by rivers or it was know, just fabulous. I, I always try and describe to people because people say to me, oh, you know, what do you do when you go away? And I, I work a little bit and I've always done that, um, probably not as much as you, but I always say that it's actually the shock of the new. Yes, yes. That keeps yes. me there. It's the, yes. isn't it? It's just different. That's very beautifully put because my husband and I had our own version of that where I would say when we were going somewhere, obviously we didn't, we didn't know anywhere, so I would say we can't do anything wrong mm. because it's is new to us. So mm. it, it, wherever we find ourselves is going to be great. Even if it's terrible, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be new. It's going to be foreign. It's going to be exciting because of that. Mm. So that's really our ethos. Mm. And we also proceeded on the um, principle that we always have really since my eldest son had leukaemia, where we would go, if it's no good, we can always leave. We mm. can always turn around and come back. Mm. I'm sorry about your son and, wow, that must have been a tough few years, but so glad to know that he's well. I know. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Part of, I guess, what led us to, you know, rolling the dice on a on a big life adventure, a, a happy life adventure rather than 
you know, one through the shadow of the valley of death, you know. Mm, mm, absolutely. What do you think the kids got from it? Well, tell me about leaving and coming home. That must have been torn between two lovers, right? How funny because now particularly, which I guess we always knew this would be the case, they really miss Italy mm. and they their friends there. But when we're in Italy, they missed Australia and their grandparents and their friends and our house and our backyard and and the beautiful, easy things about living in Australia, even though it seems like sometimes we're mired in bureaucracy, uh, we don't know nothing yet about bureaucracy. <laughs> but I think what we wanted for them, I think, was to know that the world was greater than mm. what they knew it to be. And mm. they definitely know that now. They're still We're still in contact with Italian friends and Lewis has been invited to go live with a one of his Italian friend's parents over there and I would love it if they ended up studying there or going back mm. there at any time. So that was really the gift. I mean, the experience is the gift always, isn't it? Mm. And the ethos in our family has always been experience rather than things. My car's, you know, 12 years old. We've lived in the same house for mm. six We've not house flippers or car people or whatever. We've chosen to um, have experiences when we can. And, I agree with that totally, totally. And, you know, the Dutch have got a saying, you know, my dad's Dutch, and the Dutch have got a saying, a child's hand is easily filled. A child's hand is small. Mm. A child doesn't need devices and the latest this and the latest that, blah, 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 that we tend to want to give them, they don't need that. They need love, they need us, and they need to feel brave in the world, not frightened in the world. And be happy in the world. I'm lucky enough to have these uh, great nephews that them, my niece Rebecca has always allowed me beautiful access to them. Oh, um, gorgeous. Um, they're yeah. now 13 and 8 and COVID's been hard because I haven't been able to see them. But anyway, one time I was away and I came back and little Lucas opened the door and he said, oh, did you bring me a present? And I said, I did. I said, me. I'm back. <laughs> I'm, back. I'm the present. And, you know, it took him a moment to process it and then he got yeah. super excited yeah. about it. And yeah. what that made me think is it's really how you sell it to them. It's the yeah. uh, what you say to them. Like if you're filling them with things, well, then that's their expectation. But if you're filling them with experience, then that's their yeah. expectation. Yes, yes. Did and he try to wrap you, auntie? <laughs> Oh, he just, he, we have a beautiful relationship. As I said, I haven't seen him for, you know, I've seen him, but I haven't had him for three months, but that's back on and, you know, it's the highlight of my week. Oh, yes, yeah. I want to talk, Kate, just very briefly, just about your career because it's such a stellar career. You are so beloved, as we said, and well-respected. And I've always, what I've liked about you from where I sit is that it's candid and that it's honest your presence? Well, it's funny you say that because I started, I thought I, at one stage I was going to be an actor. Yeah. But I'm not a good liar. Mm. I just, and and a great actor, of course, you won't feel like they're telling lies because it seems like it's them. Yeah. But I fell in love with the truth of myself, good or bad, you know, that's, and I sort of try and bring that to my work. 
Do you know, growing up, so I grew up in Sydney. I grew up Lebanese, Australian. You know, my mother sent me to school with a falafel roll, you know, which I absolutely never wanted, you know, like all those things that I had that if I had now, I'd be, that'd make me very happy. But back then, yeah, Yeah. so you can imagine. But I did come into myself in a way as I got older, and I think it was in high school, just like maybe year 11 and 12, where I realised, uh-uh, that's a bonus, actually. That is, my experience is very similar. Talk to me about that. Well, not only, my parents were also migrants. My dad's Dutch, or was Dutch, and my mum's Jamaican-American, who married dad and they went to Belgium and my brother was born in Holland and blah, 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 and then they came to Australia. So... I never came from here either, but to add another, well, I was born here. I was the only member of our family born in Australia. But if you live with a fa- within a family of migrants, only you understand what that means, that slight otherness or whatever. To live in a place where you know you're incredibly lucky to live, but you, there's always this slight sort of tension with migrants of where they've come from or whatever. Um my parents both became Australian citizens later in life and were just so proud of Australia. But I had another degree of otherness imposed on me as well because I was raised a Jehovah's Witness. So as if I didn't stand out enough at my state school, Salisbury High in Queensland, arriving in, you know, grade eight, carrying my violin case with my brown bowl cut to a sea of curling tonged blonde surfy chicks. Yeah. No beach, by the way, but still surfy chicks. I also then had to abstain from Christmas celebrations in class or Easter or birthdays or whatever because I was a Jehovah's Witness. So, so you had I've, a double whammy. Yeah, but I had a similar experience to you probably around about the same time, grade 11. And interestingly, my two Jehovah's Witness friends from school left at grade 10 and it kind of freed me. I actually went, oh, what I thought was a burden is actually my strength. Yeah. yeah. It takes a, I, I, how lucky to have that. I gather some people never have that experience. No. No. But I had it, you had it. And once I realised that, I really got the wind beneath my wings of myself. Mm. The shape of myself, I realised, wasn't, I couldn't look for a mirror image of myself because there wouldn't be one. So then you kind of learn to, I guess, continue the metaphor. You learn to carry your own mirror with you. Mm. I still think there aren't enough. There's not enough mirrors. No, there's not. But that's part of the evolution of life, isn't it? Mm. And there will never be enough mirrors because there needs to be a mirror for every single person. Mm. Because even if you have certain things in common, it's not everyone is not not everyone wants to see the reflection of themselves, is prepared to show the reflection of themselves. Mm. A lot of people want to squeeze into like the group fitting room, which was never me, by the way. I can't mm. think of anybody. I go to a and there's a group fitting room, I'm out of there. Oh, do you know, sometimes I look at some of those shows on TV and everyone looks the same. They all have the same hairstyle. They all have the same hair colour. All the women, I can't even tell them apart because they're so similar. That just makes me crazy. There is a uniformity in what is considered beautiful. (sighs) A girlfriend of mine said when she came to see me in Italy and we were marvelling at this Italian phenomenon of 
older women, like in their 70s or their 80s, dressed beautifully in new season clothes often. Mm. Or you'd see them in a in an H&M or a Zara. I can't recall that really ever happening in Australia, but my girlfriend said, in Australia, I feel like they just want you to be a middle-aged woman. In Italy, they want you to be beautiful. And she just said that to me in passing and it stuck with me the whole time. It's like I feel like uh, it's quite prescriptive. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, probably in other countries. I don't know if it's a an English-speaking thing, I don't know, I don't know. But I've always felt sort of the freedom to be myself and to dress the way I want to dress. And that's and, been unique to you. It's beautiful. Well, you think it's beautiful. Some people find it whatever. I don't know. I, I, I just think uh, one of the big lessons we learned in Italy was their love of beauty mm. and not as a, not in a shallow sense. It's a at a soul level. It's generational with them. Mm. And they also love the beauty of age, which you can see from the fact that they have old buildings. Walk down, you know, the streets of Melbourne, you'll be hard-pressed to find any of the old buildings surviving. Because no. for some reason, reason we ripped them down. And I would say to Peter, how did they know, the Italians, not to knock down the old buildings? How did they know? But age is venerated there. Mm old buildings, old people, old traditions, and it's really nourishing. There's something, God, it's great, Mm. you know. I I think it's also the the lifestyle and the attitude and everything else. But we're out of time, Kate. Um, I could have talked to you for another hour. Thank you so much for your time today. (laughs) I know. I know. Um, But look out. We will be talking about your book uh, for a lot longer than this, and congratulations and Yeah, you've always been somebody that I've admired. So thank you so much. Thanks, Cheryl. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere, everywhere. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. 
But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.